you're listening to the Knowing Motherhood podcast. I'm your host, Linnell Peters, and it's an honor to walk alongside you in motherhood, whether the journey is just beginning or you're right in the thick of it. I believe that your worth as a mother is not based on your performance and that your greatest strength is the love that you have for your children, whether they're in your arms or only in your heart. My prayer is that this little corner of the podcast world will leave you feeling more equipped, more hopeful, and less alone than when you arrived. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. I am excited to have our first professional on the podcast today. In addition to providing you with stories of hope and encouragement for your mama hearts, I really want Knowing Motherhood to be a place where you can feel supported and educated as you're walking through the challenging parts of motherhood. If you have a fussy baby who is past the colic stage and you've done everything you know how but it just doesn't seem to be enough, or if your toddler is having dramatic meltdowns multiple times per day and you're wondering what you're doing wrong, this episode is definitely for you. Even if this doesn't sound like your child's temperament, you will definitely still find helpful tips and encouragement in this episode. This is a good one to share with your husband or a friend. Parenting in general has a lot of challenges and we can all use daily reminders of how to lead and guide our children well, but For those dealing with the big emotional outbursts of a spirited child, it can lead to a whole other level of exhaustion and frustration. Though I do have a lot of experience, I'm not a parenting coach, and that is why I'm happy to introduce you today to Holly Claussen. Holly is a parent coach and consultant specializing in proactive strategies for parents of spirited children. She has a master's in family and human development, has authored several ebooks, including The Fussy Baby Survival Guide, and is a former contributing writer for Huffington Post Parents. Holly is also a friend of mine who has supported us through some of the difficult situations that we've faced in the past two years. She has a tender heart for families who are struggling and a huge desire to help bring peace to the homes of spirited children. Today, we're talking about how to recognize the signs of this type of temperament and how to begin building a solid foundation for success for you, your child, your marriage, and the whole family. Here's my conversation with Holly. Hey, Holly, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Linnell. Thanks for having me. Okay, so I wanted to say that right off the bat that you and I are getting to have this really great conversation today, only a couple houses apart, which is kind of funny, kind of yes. fun. Yes. And I'm really looking forward to sharing all of your expertise on raising spirited children. And I think it's just going to be so valuable for the listener today. So, yeah, do you want to share a little bit just about who you are and then a bit about what you do? For sure. Um, So I am a parent coach and consultant, and I specialize in working with parents of spirited or strong-willed kids. Um, I'm also mom to two kids who are older now, um, one teenager and one almost teenager. Um, And I kind of started my journey into this whole area of spirited kids um, when my youngest was a baby. Um, so that was um, about 12 and a half years ago. And um, it, I don't know, do you want me to go into kind of how I got started? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Um, so he he was born um, a very very fussy kind of colicky baby, and um, you know I noticed a few months in with him that he just didn't seem to be getting any easier. And we had visited a lot of uh, doctors and our midwife and the hospital, and sort of no one could tell us what was really wrong with him. And um, you know we went went online and we read books trying to find out why is he so fussy and. And, you know, once the colic had ended and he was still fussy, we thought, you know, what on earth is going on? And it was then that I came across this whole idea of the high-need baby. And uh, there wasn't a lot of information out there at that time about these babies, but I immediately recognized that this is what what my son was like. Um, And because it was, you know, it was hard to find information at the time um, about these babies, I thought, man, this this could be a way that I could help other parents who are dealing with the same thing. So it was when he was about five months old that I started a website, the fussybabysite.com, just to provide resources and information uh, to parents. And sort of over the past 12 years or so, it's kind of the website has grown and... uh, has come to also include Facebook support groups for parents. Um, almost about 50,000 parents at this point are part of the groups. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah. And then has also sort of led to this new new stage of my, um, I guess, my, you know, my professional life um, of becoming a, I went back to school to get my master's degree and I'm now um, offering coaching and consulting and workshops um, to help parents of spirited kids. Yeah, that's amazing. I love what you're doing. I think it is so valuable. And when you were talking there at the beginning, I I had a thought I wanted to ask you if you could just describe a little bit about what some of those early symptoms were, like after the colic passed Mm -hmm. um, for Sam, what were some of those early, you know, maybe if you can get into a little bit more of the specifics about Mm -hmm. what you saw and what you experienced with him that Mm -hmm. felt just a little bit different than what you maybe would have expected. Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, so um, as a newborn, um, he had a lot of troubles sleeping and feeding um, and cried and screamed constantly. Literally, I would say for the first four weeks, he could not be awake and not screaming. So, you know, in our minds and, and from what we knew, this was likely just colic really really bad colic Mm -hmm. but then once he kind of hit the four or five month mark when colic should be gone uh, he was still really fussy and still really kind of demanding and needed constant attention and just kind of you know irritable and um, you know and then the flip side of that was he also was very when he was happy he was extremely happy and so Mm -hmm. fun to be around and just you know his smile lit up the room but then if he was frustrated or tired or uncomfortable, mm, yeah. you know, all hell would break loose and it was like, you know, a full on meltdown, even as a, you know, sort of a 10 month old baby, I think was when he had his first meltdown. So uh, you were seeing extreme mm-hmm. emotions. Mm-hmm. Already yeah, early yeah for okay. sure. Yeah. Right from day one, we saw extreme emotions. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you were talking about how you felt compelled to help other mothers and you had started the Fussy Baby site. Um, Can you talk a little bit about um, kind of what has happened from the, you know, the beginning of starting that to just the, you know, 
kind of the reach that you've been able to have with this site and with the support groups. Can you embellish a little more on that? Because it's been pretty tremendous. Oh, thank you. Um, Yeah, so like I said, I started the website about 12 and a half years ago. And I remember the very first month that the website was live, I had zero experience building websites or anything like that. Um, So, you know, I kind of threw up this website and I remember after looking at my analytics at the end of the first month and a thousand people had found the website just through typing in fussy baby into Google. And I was just amazed. I thought, oh my goodness, all these people, all, you know, a thousand parents who are struggling are seeing, you know, these interviews and this content that I'm putting up there. So that was just a really good sign to me that there was a need for this. Yeah. So encouraging. Mm -hmm, For sure. So then um, a couple of years in, um, I realized, you know, parents needed more than just information on a website. So that's when I started building these Facebook support groups so that parents could come and um, get some information, but mostly just get peer-to-peer support and really realize that they weren't alone. Mm-hmm. So as I mentioned earlier, at, um, at this point, the groups have grown to almost 50,000 parents. And um, there's actually four groups, um, you know, based on um, how old um your child is so you know if you have a newborn all the way up to a school-aged child there's there's a group for you Um, and so that's really been sort of my passion over the years Um, and then in terms of uh, what I do now professionally as well offering coaching and consulting that's just kind of helps parents take things even to the next step which is learning you know how do you how do you parent these kids in a way that is respectful of their temperament mm-hmm. um, how do you learn to accept who they are uh, what what discipline strategies can you use that actually work and that don't right. sort of tame the spirit out of your kid because mm-hmm. their spiritedness is what makes them absolutely amazing right. if you can if you can learn to kind of adapt your parenting style to their personality mm-hmm and I think you see, I mean, even with your own son, that they have so much potential. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, yes. And so many great, strong um, qualities. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I, I'm sure that that's probably a big part of what you work to um, convey to parents as well, to keep that hope for alive sure. for, for their sure. child and looking ahead. But when they're in the middle of it, it's hard, mm-hmm. especially early on. I wanted to, to ask you if you... Um, what kind of resources were available to you uh, when Sam was a baby? Did you have anything that, that you know, really helped you and encouraged you? Or did you find it difficult to find um, support in that way? Um, I found it very difficult to find support. I think... Yeah, you uh, had mentioned that. And so yeah. that's partly why you started the website. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, there were certainly some books out there. There was um, Harvey Karp's book, The Happiest Baby on the Block, mm-hmm. which was great just for giving a little bit a little bit of understanding into his fussiness. Right. Um, and then um, the book Raising Your Spirited Child is an excellent resource for parents. Targeted a bit more at older kids, but okay. but I read that as well when Sam was a baby. Um, and then like, you know, in terms of internet resources, there wasn't a lot. It was a different time, right? This mm-hmm. was 2006, so it was a different time online. And yeah. um, there really wasn't much, you know, you find lots of information about colic, Um, but that was kind of it. Not a lot about the spirited temperament. What was it like when you talked to the doctors about it, about him? Did you get any good feedback or help from them? Did they seem to be aware of this temperament? Um, looking back, not really. I mean, the answer that we got, 
during that newborn period was it's just colic and it will it will go away by four months mm-hmm. and everything will be fine right. and you know on the one hand that was very helpful because it gave us this sort of timeline you know like if we could just get through to 12 weeks or 16 weeks it will all be over and then he'll finally be easy and then on the other hand when he did get to that point and still wasn't easy um that was very very discouraging right because you're hanging all your hope on you know you're finally going to have an easygoing child and right. and they're not so i think a lot has changed over the years and i think that doctors are more aware now right um of of the spirited temperament and um i think that's really great because you know, the sooner that you can sort of understand what's happening and understand your child, um, you know, the easier things are. Yeah, that's right. Did you have anybody in your life or did you know of anybody during that time in those early years who was also um, dealing with similar characteristics in their own children and trying to, was there anyone else around you? Sometimes it's hard to find those yeah. parents who are also walking through it because it's yeah. hard to talk about. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, not really. Um, yeah, like you said, it is hard. Um, what I found often is, first, a lot of parents don't even know the term spirited or what it means or that this might be the the cause of their child's behaviors. A lot of parents assume, oh, my kid is kind of wild or, or really kind of strong-willed or defiant or whatever. And so they're maybe embarrassed or hesitant to share that with other parents. They think right. maybe it's partly their fault or yeah. they want to protect yeah. their child and not speak negatively about their child. Right. Um, so it can be really hard to connect, you know, in, you know, locally with parents who are going through the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's a little bit easier online because, you you know, you can go and you can Google certain things and you can find online support um, and maybe stay a little bit more anonymous, I think. Um, so, yeah, so for me, I didn't really, I didn't really, unfortunately, have, you know, know of anybody else who was going through the same thing. Yeah, I think it's really, really challenging to know how to explain Um, your own child to others Mm -hmm. because of that fear of judgment Mm -hmm. and I actually experienced that the other day you know that we have um, a child who is uh, a spirited um, a kid as well and I for me um, I've barely ever talked about about him and I I know just the other day I actually had a moment um, with some other parents where his behavior was was not appropriate and I was really embarrassed and Mm -hmm. I felt like I just did not I wanted to say oh let me explain him to you but I didn't know how yeah it doesn't happen very often because a lot of times with spirited children right their behaviors come out the most at home Mm -hmm, because that's where they're the most comfortable but um so it, it doesn't happen often but it was just like oh how do I even explain this? And Mm -hmm. I mean, really, I'm being so honest and real right now, but this last few days, I've actually just been trying to figure out how to simply and -hmm. respectfully, but honestly, you know, just kind of convey to this other mother, you know, you know, I'm sorry for this behavior and this is why without saying too much. It's Mm -hmm. hard. It's really challenging. And that's why I'm so glad we're having this conversation because there's so many other parents in that place who are 
really afraid of, of being judged, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, and I'm sure I'm guilty of that in the past of, of seeing another parent with a child misbehaving and thinking, man, are they doing their job right? Mm-hmm. And that makes me feel so bad, but mm-hmm. I, I'm, I know it's true. And Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even for us, because I, I had a, a more easygoing child first and you know, we kind of patted ourselves on the back, to be <laughs> okay. honest, because she was such a good sleeper and, yeah. you know, she had her moments, but, you know, she was a typical sort of toddler, preschooler, you know, but she was a pretty, you know, pretty easygoing kid and still is. And, you know, we thought, oh, it's because, you know, we're, you know, we're such good parents and we started a routine from day one and we, you know, introduced her to a wide variety of foods and, and, you know, we thought, we thought this was all our doing. And then we had our second and did all the same things and he was nothing the same. And really, I always say, you know, you, you, it's only parents of other spirited kids who understand that this, you know, yes, you do have some, um, you know, you have a a huge influence in your child's life, but they're born who they are, you know, and it's up to us to, um, to help them grow into their big personalities and become, you know, respectful, um, you know, confident adults, but it, it's not, not always an easy journey. No, not at all. Yeah. Okay. Let's dive into talking a little bit more in depthly about high needs babies and mm-hmm. then we're children when they're a little bit older mm-hmm. and yeah. some of these, um, temperaments that we see with them, with them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So can you describe some of the characteristics of high needs babies? What can a parent look for or what what would give them a little bit more insight into, um, you know, figuring out if their child is possibly going to fit in this category? For sure. And I just wanted to start just by saying, because um, you've used two words, high needs and spirited. Yes, yes. And just, I know you know the difference, but just yes. in case anybody um, doesn't, we typically... Um, babies who are extremely fussy and spirited are often referred to as high need. I prefer the term spirited, but Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's typically they're referred to as high need. And then as they get older, we start to say more that they have a spirited temperament. So it is basically the same thing. Um, But I just wanted to clarify that. Yes. Um, Thanks for doing that. Yeah. So for high need babies, um, sort of typical characteristics that you might see um, are difficulties. Sleeping is a huge one. Difficulty uh, feeding or getting into any kind of predictable routine, um, being extremely sensitive to stimuli, to sort of um, discomfort or frustration or hunger or a wet diaper. Um, they are they tend to be very intense and have very loud reactions to things. Um, in fact, the research says that they have characteristically loud voices. So um, mm. that can be loud when they're crying and also loud when they're laughing, which is the flip side. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So being demanding, not being good at self-soothing, not being, um, yeah, just being very kind of uh, determined. Those are all, all things that you might see in a, in a high need baby. And as you're explaining some of those, those characteristics, it actually brought up a bunch of questions for me. One of the things was you're just talking about the loud voice Mm -hmm. And I'm just thinking that's one thing that could be so confusing. One out of many things that could be so confusing because a child with a loud voice, sometimes that can indicate a hearing issue, Mm. right? That's possible, yeah. Um, I know our our little guy, you know, he has 
the loud voice, mm-hmm. but he also has really good hearing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and um, so there's just a lot of little details, you know, where it could go both ways, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. In, in, a, in a sense. So, For sure. And that kind of just leads into my next question about, you know, can we confuse, can a parent easily confuse high needs baby characteristics with, with things like colic or teething pain? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, especially during the newborn period, that's very common, as I think I've talked about. Yeah. Um, typically with something like, say, teething pain or, you know, pain from sort of a medical issue like an allergy or something like that, mm-hmm. you'll have certain times. Like, I'm not a doctor. I just want get, to get that out of the way. So yes. if, I always tell parents, if you're concerned, first thing is to talk to your doctor. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, with with a sort of a spirited temperament, that's something you're going to see, you know, throughout a good part of the day. It's not going to be something that comes and goes. You're not your child isn't going to have intense reactions every once in a while. They're always going to have intense reactions. Whereas with something like teething, that's going to come, you know. Yes, okay, when they're that's good. Yeah, that's good. periodically. Yes, so yeah. it's going to be consistent behavior. Mm-hmm. You're not going. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah, and that's also similar with colic. Is with colic, we typically see um, a baby will have periods of fussiness, usually in the late the late evenings, although not always. Right. And the rest of the time, they're generally, you know, they they nap pretty well and they're pretty content. With a high need baby, they tend to be fussy and discontent most of the time it need lots of soothing all the time mm. and so it's again it's it's an issue of sort of frequency yeah 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 so you touched on sleep training a little bit or mm. how difficulty sleeping mm-hmm. and i know that this is a really big one for parents in general mm-hmm. uh so when they're when they're dealing with a spirited child or sort of high needs baby this is this is possibly going to be even more intense mm-hmm. trying to accomplish some kind of sleep schedule yeah uh, with their little ones so yeah can you just talk about that a little bit um mm-hmm. obviously we know that sleep training um, everybody getting sleep in the household is really important um, but how can parents approach it um, based on the needs of their child mm-hmm. um, and then maybe if you can explain a little bit about you know the negative effects of being sleep deprived and and how mm-hmm. that all kind of functions and works together for sure so what I hear from um, many parents of high need babies is that they think um, that sleep training won't work for their child and they usually have really good reason for thinking that because they've often tried a bunch of different things and it hasn't worked and then they think okay well I guess it's just not possible and this is kind of what we have to put up with Um, and but the thing about high need babies is that they actually tend to do much better when they're in a good routine. Um, so I think the key for parents is to realize that yes, you can make changes to your baby schedule. Um, and that often because of your child's temperament, because your child is more sensitive, more uh, intense, more determined, um, they are likely going to protest any changes much more loudly than a more easygoing baby. And to not take that as a sign that it's not working or that it won't, you know, that it it will never work or that they should give up. Um, Just kind of you need to go into it with sort of absolute confidence and consistency, um, you know, regardless of whichever method you choose. That is just key to be sort of 100% uh, confident in what you're doing. Mm, Yeah, that's great. 
Yeah, that's so important. And it's hard when you're sleep sleep deprived. It's Mm -hmm. hard when you are experiencing stress, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and what what I've seen in in many parents is um, you had asked about the negative effects of of lack of sleep. And, um, you know, many many mothers of high-need babies are already struggling with postpartum depression or anxiety. And I find that sleep deprivation just, you know, compounds that like crazy. Um, and then, you know, then the mom has less patience and less emotional resources to deal with the constant crying and fussing. And it's just this terrible, vicious cycle. Um, and then for the baby, um, you know, w- when they when they don't get, um, when they don't have a good, a good sort of sleep routine and they're not getting enough sleep, um, you know, all these sort of traits that we've talked about, the sensitivity and intensity, these all become much worse, right? They, right. they cry yeah. more, they, they're less able to tolerate frustration, they have more meltdowns. Um, so while I, I completely understand and respect that not all parents want to sleep train, um, it is something just to keep in mind. Um, you know, you don't need to do cry it out or, you know, a lot of parents I've talked to are hesitant to, to use methods that involve a lot of crying because they've already had to deal with so much crying in their child's yeah. life. And it's it's a real trigger too for them to hear their child cry. And I understand that. So, yeah. you know, there are sort of more gradual, gentle approaches that you can use. And again, as long as you go into them with, with absolute confidence and consistently consistency um it it usually will work even for a high need baby yeah it really requires like any sleep training experience requires a commitment Mm -hmm. to sticking with something for for longer than just a night or two right Mm -hmm, for sure Um, but it is it is so hard when, when you're dealing with those extra those extra challenges i just actually was thinking as you were talking about um Again, I'm kind of going to our situation a little bit, and I also was thinking how, how this might relate to our listeners and if they're kind of trying to figure out if their child, you know, fits into this this category. Um, but is it possible for some children to um, kind of not struggle with the sleep issues? Do mm-hmm. all spirited children struggle with sleep? And or is it possible that some of these children will have these these behaviors during the day, but they actually still sleep well at night? Yes, is that it's possible? yes, it's definitely possible. Okay. Um, I think sp- the reason spirited many spirited babies um, struggle with sleep is because of these certain temperament traits, right? Like right. being very sensitive, maybe to sounds in the house or to lights, or um, you know, not having good state control, which is kind of the ability to very easily fall asleep or go from, you know, sleep to awake. Um, but um, yeah, I would say in surveys I've done, I think the number was somewhere around 70 or 80% of parents said that they did have trouble with sleep. Um, but then again, um, you know, those parents who have um, sleep trained, um, you know, have said that their parent, that, that their, their babies have become good sleepers. So I would say it's definitely the norm that a spirited baby will have trouble sleeping, but that doesn't mean it has to stay that way. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some of the behaviors um, and challenges that we see in the toddler years? Mm -hmm. And and maybe contrast that to how it differs. They differ maybe a little bit um, from the preschool years and then from school age years. Mm -hmm. 
Um, there's, there's lots of overlap um, and every child is different. So I couldn't necessarily say, you know, that all spirited kids have certain behaviors when mm-hmm. they're toddlers or school age. But in general, um, you know, as toddlers, you'll probably see, um, you know, a lot of meltdowns um not not listening kind of testing testing the limits um trouble going to bed at night uh being a picky eater um so i'm just going to quickly clarify one one thing there because mm-hmm. i know i right away thought um of this question every toddler has meltdowns mm-hmm. what how many more you know are we talking about throughout throughout a day obviously it differs I know but can you give a little bit of a an idea of what Mm -hmm. that difference is yeah well one thing a lot of parents notice is that first of all the meltdowns start a lot earlier so for instance with with Sam he had his first big meltdown at 10 months which was you know much earlier than I would have expected Mm -hmm. um and so you'll see different a difference in both the frequency usually and the intensity of the meltdowns. Okay. So, um, you know, on a bad day, we, we maybe had 10 meltdowns a day. Yeah. Um, and at times they could last up and, you know, up to an hour long. Mm-hmm. Um, they can um, include, you know, banging their head on the floor, um, throwing things, biting, hitting, mm-hmm. kicking, you know, laying on the floor screaming. So they're just, they just tend to be more intense and pretty scary as a parent. You wonder what on earth is happening. And a lot of parents feel really helpless to stop them. Uh, With a more easygoing child, you know, you can often, you know, easily distract them and, you know, say, hey, come on over here and like, let's have a cookie or let's read a book. And, you know, they can shift their mindset a lot easier. But Mm -hmm. for a spirited child, it, you know, can take some, some kind of, uh, special techniques and and you know different different strategies to bring patience. them out of yeah and patience <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah to bring them out of meltdowns right okay thanks for explaining that yeah 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 so then um just in terms of how these kids sort of change over the years um so we know from the research that spirited kids who are uh, parented with a lot of warmth and flexibility um actually tend to uh, outperform their peers by grade one so in terms of in in the classroom so tend to actually get better grades get along better with the teacher get along better with with classmates um than than easygoing kids so this is kind of when we you know often by about grade one is when we start to see these kind of these really challenging traits become some of their best traits um, but that doesn't mean that the school age years are all, you know, fun and games. <laughs> they can, yeah. you know, they can still tend to have meltdowns, um, you know, even as school aged kids because they're still learning to deal with their their really big emotions. Right. Um, but, you know, sometime during the, you know, the school years is when you start to see those leadership qualities emerge, um, empathy, um, just the ability to really, um, uh, yeah, I guess just be... You know, a lot of these kids really have sort of magnetic personalities, draw people to them. Um, what I'm seeing more and more of as well is that um, quite a few of these kids actually turn out to be gifted, um, you know, sometimes uh, academically, but but also in other areas like in, you know, in sports or leadership. Um, you know, all those challenging traits um, really kind of can lead them to um, become pretty amazing people as they get bigger. How often have you seen parents trying to pursue 
a lot more knowledge than they really actually need to because mm. they're so desperate to understand yeah. their child. Yeah, that's a good question. I think, um, you know, one, one thing I see a lot is just is a lot of Googling and a lot of reading. Mm. And that can be helpful to a point, but it also gets overwhelming because it's difficult to know whether what you're reading or what you're studying is actually applicable to your child and, right. and to spirited kids because they do they do tend to need some different strategies. So, you know, if you um, kind of read up on, say, best practices for um, for discipline and, you know, you try all these things that you've read and find they're not working, then, you know, you're you're likely to feel like a failure because this is this is what should be working. So, you know, I really recommend sort of, you know, starting with a foundation of of positive parenting, um, you know, look into, um, you know, positive parenting strategies to use. Um, but then know that you might have to tweak them to really suit your child's temperament. Yeah, no, yeah. that's really good. So you've obviously acknowledged the fact that you're not a doctor and mm-hmm. that you always recommend that parents, if they have additional questions and stuff, that they, they go right away and, and talk with a pediatrician. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to just touch on a little bit um, maybe your suggestions um, for at what point would you suggest that a parent um, maybe go for um, an assessment or diagnosis? Am I asking that mm-hmm. properly? Yeah. 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 I, you know, in my opinion, it, it just never hurts. Um, you know, if you, um, if you have any doubt at all about your child's behaviors, um, typically, um, especially meltdowns, that's a big one that parents really kind of struggle with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, don't don't hesitate to go to your doctor. Uh, go to um, your local early intervention um, clinic and have them take a look. Go to um, a pediatric occupational therapist, um, and they can kind of you know they know the red flags to look for, and mm-hmm. you know they can tell if there's something else going on. Right. Um, and can also you know even if they end up just you know saying you know you know this is just kind of who your child is. They have a spirited temperament. They can often recommend resources uh, and strategies that you can use. So it's it's never it's never a bad thing to do. So one of my concerns with with the going to you know see a doctor is is that sometimes I think children are labeled too quickly mm-hmm. um, with conditions like ADHD and they're put on medication. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, so I, we have to just be a little careful in, in how we discuss this, but um, you know, when I, when I think about what you do as now, as you're doing more coaching um, mm-hmm. with parents, um, I, I want to see parents personally. I want to see parents taking that route first. Mm-hmm. I want them to come to someone like you um, or, you know, like you're talking about going to doctors and asking for resources and, and how to help their child, you know, before they, 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 is it possible that a lot of parents just feel so desperate that they're happy to get a label for their child so that they can get medication? I don't know if doctors are over-diagnosing ADHD. That's not really my, my sort of area. Yeah. I know that a lot of parents of spirited kids wonder and worry about that. Right, yeah. Um, I will say from what I do know of ADHD, the symptoms are, are often, there's some overlap between mm-hmm. being spirited and, you know, maybe having lots of energy, for instance. Right. You know, a lot of spirited kids are very energetic. Right. But there are also other characteristics of um 
or, or symptoms of ADHD that that don't apply to spirited kids. Mm-hmm. So I think if you if you kind of really dig into the the signs and symptoms of each, you'll find they're fairly different. The one um, the one diagnosis that some some spirited kids will get is sensory processing disorder. Right. Um, right. There's a there's huge overlap, especially sort of in the first you know one to two years of life between um, SPD and being spirited. And so that can take really the help of a, a pediatric occupational therapist to distinguish that. Um, and I would say, you know, most spirited kids do not have SPD, but many do have some sensory issues or sensory okay. delays. So again, it never hurts to talk to someone and to yeah. get some help on things like, you know, how, how to deal with a picky eater or, um, yeah. Yeah. And I just want to say that you are, for the listener, you are not failing as a parent by taking your child for an assessment. You're not failing as a parent um, by, you know, acknowledging that you don't have all the answers. I think that's so important, right? It's, no, no. It's really difficult for, for us to sometimes accept that, you know, we're maybe feeling in over our heads a bit, especially mm-hmm. if we've had, we have previous children, like in your situation, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, it's, you know, at the very, at the very least, that's one more thing to cross off your list and just know, okay, my child doesn't have, there's nothing else going on. Right. We can just yeah. treat this as what it is, as temperament. And that means there's there's nothing wrong with my child, and um, and then we can sort of kind of come up with a plan and feel really confident in in you know in the strategies that we're using. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of mothers they feel a lot of emotions that they never thought that they would feel towards their own child. Mm-hmm. Can you offer some thoughts to that mother who's who's feeling? maybe shameful at, mm-hmm. at how frustrated she is with her child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's that's so common. Um, you know, I've, I've heard parents say everything from, um, I don't like my own child, I don't want to be with him, um, to, um, you know, maybe I, sh- maybe I should have never been a mother, maybe I'm not cut out to be a mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are horrible things. I mean, it feels horrible to think those things. Yes. Um, yeah. But it's completely normal and so common. And mm-hmm. I would just say that these thoughts and feelings aren't a reflection at all of who you are, but it's just your reaction to the circumstances you've been give, given. Yeah. You know, around 10% of kids are born with these more challenging traits. And, uh, you know, it's it's a, that's a huge responsibility uh, for a parent. And... It requires um, completely sort of changing your idea of how you thought things would be and who you thought your child would be, and that that can be a huge thing. So I would just say, you know, go easy on yourself. Try not to beat yourself up about it. Um, yeah, that's that's all you can do. Yeah, that's right. So in the situation like uh, the one that I was in recently, where I I experienced you know a really strong feeling of embarrassment. Um, with my child's behavior, um, you know, again, like I said, it was really difficult to know, you know, in the moment, I just, with all the kids around, I just didn't, I couldn't really, 
explain, right? Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. kind of had to do the, oh, I'm so sorry thing. But, you know, you you leave. And for someone, I mean, for me, I know that I'm really sensitive towards how other people are feeling. And I um, am always, you know, wondering when I leave them, you know, what are they really thinking mm-hmm. about me and my child? So what are some ways that we can, as parents, communicate with others around us especially close family and friends because it's not even easy in that department as well you know in addition to people that you you know don't know as well family and friends can you know closer ones can be even more difficult to communicate with how how does a parent navigate that mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah. Hard, a hard one yeah it is hard um there's a couple i have a couple thoughts on that um the first is as much as you can um, you just have to try to stop, stop caring what other people think. Yeah. Um, as I as I said earlier, unless you've had a spirited child, you don't understand, right? There's yes. always going to be people yeah. out there who think your child is behaving this way because you're not strict enough, right. or you're too strict, or oh, yeah. um, because you you know because of something that yeah that you've done or haven't done. Um, and so some people are never going to get it, and it's really not worth your time trying to explain it. Um, so that's the first thought. Um, but then obviously there are times when you do want to communicate, especially with you know close friends or family. And I find um, I find it often better to use descriptive words to to describe your your child rather than um, a label. So rather than saying um, you know I have a high need baby, um, when you say that, people are more likely to say oh, but aren't all babies high need? Aren't, don't all babies have needs? Mm, you know. Okay. Um, or, you know, if you say I have a spirited child, you know, a lot of people won't know what that is or they'll, they'll understand it to mean something it's not. So I find saying things like, um, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry about that. He's just, um, very sensitive or, or very intense. He has a very intense personality. Um, you know, just, just describe the behaviors or the characteristics you see in your child. That's a much Mm -hmm. sort of easier way of explaining it, um, Mm -hmm. and making sure, um, yeah, that they understand, uh, understand what you're saying. Yeah, that's yeah. good. So I'm thinking about the parent who's listening and they're, they're going, Oh, I, I've just been given a lot of really good information, but I'm still feeling overwhelmed by, you know, how to help my child and especially my relationship with my child. Mm-hmm. Um, what are a few things that they could just focus on today? Um, to help their relationship with their child flourish? Mm. I think the first thing is to is to really try to accept your child for who he or she is right now today. Um, that this is this is who your child is. This is how your child was born. this is this is her temperament. Um, you don't need to change change her um, and and she's not bad. So I think just kind of that shift in mindset or the lens um, with which you see your child can make a huge difference. It gives you more empathy to what they're struggling with um, instead of just predisposing you to, you know, punishing, which we know doesn't doesn't work for these kids. Um, You know, it gives you sort of um, encourages you to find other ways to deal with challenging behaviors. yeah, so I think that's probably the main thing is is just just learning to accept your child. And then I think the next thing would just be start doing a little bit of research into, you know, what is a spirited child? What are the traits that that we see? Because, you know, as soon as you can see your your child's 
challenging behaviors as um, simply, you know, skills that they haven't yet developed or, um, you know, temperament traits that, um, yeah, that will get better over time. Um, you know, you, you stop seeing your child as being sort of willful or defiant um, and, you know, see them as struggling. And that, you know, that can have a, a really positive impact on your relationship with them. Mm-hmm, for sure. Mm-hmm. How important is it for a mother to take time um, away from the house mm-hmm. uh, to get replenished or to, you know, get just refreshed a little bit in some way just to have some space yeah yeah it's hugely important I think we have this idea that you know we need to do it all or that we're somehow failing by you know getting help Um, but you know I think you know even even just kind of getting a babysitter in regularly or I know parents um, myself included who who did part-time daycare just to get the break Mm. um, because these kids are amazing but you know they they do tend to have lots of energy and they do tend to try your patience and you know we're not we're not superhuman we need a break and yeah. when yeah. we we when, when we can get regular breaks we're uh, much more likely to be patient and um, empathic and to respond to them in ways that um, yeah are much more helpful and beneficial so absolutely yeah so I say in terms of child care, reach out for help in terms of, um, you know, cleaning your house, if you can afford it, you know, get someone in every yes. once in a while to clean yeah. for you. Don't worry about, especially when, when you have a, you know, a, a high need baby, um, you know, get takeout, order pizza, you know, eat, make easy meals because, you know, those first few months especially can really just be about surviving and getting through, until things start to get easier and there, there's right. no, no shame in that. Can you share some resources for parents? I know that one that you've mentioned to me in the past um, that I actually haven't gotten my hands on yet, but is the explosive child. That was mm-hmm. one you recommended, right? Yeah. 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 So if you have a bit of an older spirited child, I would say maybe as young as three, but, but it's more beneficial the older they get. Um, the explosive child is excellent. Um, raising your spirited child is another another really good one, especially for just understanding um, the temperament traits that your child might have, um, as well as some some useful strategies for discipline and, and parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're looking for peer support, of course, my Facebook groups are are available. If you go to Facebook and just search for Fussy Baby or Spirited Child, um, the groups should pop up. Um, and then, yeah, as I've mentioned, I also offer coaching and consulting and, um, and online, uh, workshops for parents just to get a better understanding of their child and learn some, some, um, you know, research backed, really effective strategies for parenting their spirited child. Definitely, um, go and check out Holly's website and, and I'll have all of these, um, resources and links in the show notes available. And so before we say goodbye, I just need to say thanks, Holly. I just know that this is going to be such an incredible resource, this this podcast for parents. So thanks so much for joining 
me. And um, if you don't mind, I've got a little question yeah, sure. for you. That's just kind of fun for us to get to know you a little bit. Mm -hmm. If you had four hours all to yourself and someone had already cleaned the whole house mm -hmm. for you, mm -hmm. what would be your ideal way to spend that time? Well, I would say um, my four hours would probably start with um, a nice leisurely jog um, outside and would probably end with baking a whole bunch of chocolate chip cookies. Those are kind of my two, uh, yeah, the two things I, I love most in life. Um, besides my family, besides my family. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to come over again soon and you can bake some cookies for me. Mm -hmm. I'm baking some this afternoon. So, Oh, okay. Yeah. I might knock on your door. <laughs> Sounds good. Oh, Holly, thanks so much again. I really appreciate you joining me. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm so grateful for Holly's knowledge and insight into this topic. If you'd like to connect with Holly, that info will be in the show notes. As I shared for the first time today, I know how hard raising a spirited child can be. They are beautiful humans with incredible gifts and abilities. They can be so funny and sweet and intelligent, but parenting them can be emotionally and physically draining at times. I truly hope that this episode has encouraged you and given you the stepping stones to help your child experience success that you feel also more equipped and more supported as you help bring out the best in your child. As always, I'm praying that you will experience peace in your motherhood journey this week, the kind of peace that only God can give, even in the most mundane moments, even when you feel overwhelmed, even when you feel alone. You are so loved. If you want to stay connected, please consider joining our growing group of followers and friends over on Instagram at Knowing Motherhood Podcast and on Facebook as well. If you would like to help spread the word about Knowing Motherhood, it would mean so much to have you quickly leave a review. It really is quick and easy, I promise, and helps other mamas find the podcast so much faster. Thanks again for being here today. Make sure to click on the subscribe button so you get notifications when a new episode is live. All right, friends, I'll see you here next week.